This episode is brought to you by Portland Distro. If you like underground music, movies, and more, go to portlanddistro.com for licensed merch, vinyl, CDs, and more. Plug in the discount code 666 at portlanddistro.com for 15% off on all purchases. How's it going, friends? Another week has passed, and it's time for this week's Everything Went Black. Now, I'm sure everyone at this point is probably really sick of hearing about uh, Joe Rogan. Um, and I, I thought about foregoing any kind of commentary on it. But people have been asking me my, my thoughts, and um, it ties in so closely with some of the worldview that I have especially regarding censorship, freedom of speech, uh, the far left, and, um, you know, their bizarre war against, uh, you know, expression, (laughs) for lack of a better term. But I wanted to make a statement about that. Uh, I thought about putting it on 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 as a Patreon episode, but I figured this is like a very general thing, and I hope you guys don't mind that I'm going to ruminate on all this for this week's episode because uh, even if you're not on the Patreon, I think you might be interested in this. So, But before we get started, I just want to thank everyone. Everyone who's joined and supported me, i got to be honest, I'm humbled by the amount of people that have joined the Patreon, and I really, really appreciate it. And, um, you know, it's great. Like I said, it's humbling to think that there are people out there that are willing to throw down even a dollar of their own money to support this effort that I'm putting into doing this podcast. And uh, yeah, it's cool. I get to put up a bunch of stuff that doesn't quite fit on this version of the show, but is tailored towards what the people on the Patreon want. Like I've been getting a lot of great requests from you guys uh, and I've been answering them and putting stuff together. And uh, in the future, you'll see some of these recommendations and suggestions for content appear on the Patreon. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's not required, obviously, but if you want to um, be part of this, you can join for $1 or $5. And uh, the $1 is the, you know, the kind of entry level. You get access to the bonus material, which comes out uh, weekly at this point. Every, I, I'm actually doing almost two completely different shows for Everything Went Black. The $5 level gives you early access to the regular content so you get all the stuff that's been posted that shows up uh on on the weekly schedule but you get it as soon as it's edited and posted so um so there you go you get kind of our early access vip sort of uh domain treatment you know and uh yeah that's cool we're gonna figure out more stuff to do we might add some tiers um you know of of different types of memberships and you know, organize some uh, some live hangouts and live chats and that kind of thing. And, you know, um, I don't know, I'm, I'm real excited about it. It's, uh, you know, I'm kind of I'm kind of one of these guys who doesn't get out that much. So, but, you know, now that, well, you know, tours are coming up, we'll talk about that in a minute. But, you know, I kind of keep to myself and um, it's nice, you know, to interact with people. And um, as the world seems to be opening up, um, 
you know, it's 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 cool still to have this little group of, of dudes and you know mo- mostly dudes <laughs> that are that are part of this thing and and coordinate you know some kind of hangout. It'd be, be really cool, I think. But uh, yeah, before uh, we really jump into everything, uh, we got some awesome news on the tombs front about tours and things like that. There's a run of dates with Cloak and Restless Spirit from Long Island. Uh, very very short. Very short on the East Coast. Primarily a, a long weekend, you know, but we booked this way in the beginning of the year when um, it was still questionable as to whether or not we were going to do this. So, you know, we had some difficulties with it. But, um, but yeah, it's all set. You know, check the uh, Tombs Facebook or my own personal Instagram or the Tombs Instagram and you'll see the dates. And if you're in the area, um, you know, definitely come out and say hello. Uh, definitely feel free to stop by at the merch table or find me walking around the uh, the venue and uh, we'll hang out. Uh, also, for the third time, we've <laughs> we've rescheduled our show with Evoke Evoking, and I'm excited and I I am confident this show is going to happen. I mean, I'm you know the last time I I, I had COVID, so we had to cancel, but this is the third time, man. I guess third time is the charm. And that's at the Kingsland in Brooklyn. And that's us evoking and Restless Spirit from Long Island. And uh, Cloak could not make that show. They had some uh, personal stuff they had to do. So it's going to be just those three bands. Really excited about that. Um, you know, we played with uh, Sub-Zero, Sworn Enemy, and Nuclear Assault late last year. And, um, you know, even though I was severely physically compromised because I had just gotten out of quarantine from getting COVID and I was like, you know, pretty shot physically. I still was like, I'm ready to go. When, where's the next show? When do we got to be, you know, what, when are we leaving? That was the way I felt. I was like ready to get back out there and start smashing shit, you know? Um, I can't announce this yet. You know, these PR people and labels and whatnot, they, they like to be the ones to announce the stuff. But we got some really exciting tour plans for May and June. And uh, that will take us to the western part of the country, a um, place that I haven't been to in over two years at this point. And uh, that's a real trip because, hell, I, I, I usually find myself out there at least twice a year. And I, I remember one time back in like maybe 2016, 2017, I was in San Francisco playing gigs five times that year. That's kind of funny. I remember um, playing a show at the uh, the DNA Lounge. And at that point, I'd already been there like twice or three times already. And I talked to the, uh, you know, I was settling up with the promoter. And I, he's like, all right, man, I'll see you guys in a couple months. And I'm like, yeah, man, see you in a couple months. And it was like that, you know, that that's the kind of life I'm used to leading, man, you know, and, and, uh, you know, for better or for worse. I mean, any of you guys who listened to the episode I did with Jamie Getz, uh, will get an insight into some of the emotional, uh, shortcomings that kind of mentality might bring to your life. But still, I like to maybe find a balance, you know what I mean? But adventure seems to be on the horizon and I'm really excited about that. And, uh, yeah, I'm hoping to see some of you guys out there looking forward to putting those dates up and, um, getting, getting after it. You know what I mean? 
But uh, yeah, the the world continues to be a scary place. You know, COVID, the rise of right wing extremism, the uh, rise of far left extremism, um, and now Russian aggression and the Ukraine. And for the first time in a long time, it seems like nuclear annihilation is not completely off the table. Now, some of you younger people out there uh, probably do not remember when this was a thing. When I was growing up back in the 80s, you know, the there, that was like a, um, you know, the, this lurking paranoia that everyone had. You know, that was like a subject of a lot of things like in culture, you know, about the Cold War and Russia and, you know, the, well, the Soviet Union back then. Um, nuclear annihilation, you know, that was the... the um, the era of uh, threads and where the wind blows and all this stuff. And, you know, these there would be movies about that very same thing, about destruction and post-apocalyptic movies and stories were, were abound. And that's uh, that's the kind of world that seems like we're, we're living in a version of that right now. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a little unsettling. And uh, I just hope we make it through. It would be ironic that after two years of complete isolation for the most part uh on the you know to be blown up in a nuclear apocalypse uh as i leave town to head out on tour that'd be um a real drag for me but uh and a drag for everyone else too but hopefully it doesn't come down to that um if anyone's got any thoughts like if you're a younger person and you didn't live through the cold war uh, you know, definitely hit me up, make some comments, you know, we could talk about it. And maybe uh, if enough people want <laughs> to discuss nuclear annihilation, we can we can address that at some point, you know, and talk about it amongst ourselves. But uh, yeah, so anyway, Joe Rogan, you know, and I'm going to make one statement about this. It's funny. I wrote this, you know, the notes for this show a couple of weeks ago, but this morning I was listening to uh, Trevor Noah and he made some points that are going to show up in this little little treatment that I'm doing here. And I thought, I'm like, oh, man, I, I can't even do the show now, you know, because Trevor Noah, like, is ba- there people are going to think I plagiarized his ideas. But that's it's not true. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be using different examples. Um, I don't even know if you guys listen to him, but, you know, he's he's a, uh, you know, a left leaning, you know, social commentary guy, news commentary guy that I, I really like. And um, yeah, he's, he's cool. I mean, you know, I find him entertaining and, and I, I agree f- with a lot of what his sentiments are. But uh, I just want to put that little disclaimer out there that this was actually written a few weeks ago and predated Trevor's, um, you know, his, his show. So anyway, I just want to start out saying that I'm a fan of Joe Rogan from way, way back in the beginning of his emergence on the podcasting front, I was, I was an early listener. And I remember I got into listening to podcasts when I used to um, travel from Brooklyn to New Jersey for work every morning. And um, there was a show called The Midnight Podcast that I listened to that was a you know, horror zombie-focused podcast it's funny back then it was like 
there are there's hardly any any shows out there you know what i mean you you found stuff you're interested in and and i remember one of my coworkers was talking about starting a podcast for like you know old music or whatever and i was like oh what what is that you know and i oh, i i don't know i don't think that's going to work you know or whatever and the guy the guy doing the the midnight podcast was talking about how he had come into some kind of static with other podcasters and he's like oh well there's never going to be any money in this which i thought like that stuck in my mind thinking i'm like hmm i wonder if that's always going to be true that there's never going to be money in podcasting i know that i don't make it you know i just recently started making some small amount of money from podcasting and i've been doing it for a long time but rogan for some reason became this cultural phenomenon you know and it was very unlikely i thought it seemed unlikely to me that what he was doing would have the mass appeal that it actually does and that really is the root i think of his misunderstand being misunderstood and this whole like saga that he's going through and i um i just want to talk about that a little bit you know and and like i said i I used to tune into his show. I think uh, I remember him from Opie and Anthony. And, uh, you know, I was a fan of um, of news radio. And, uh, you know, obviously I saw him on the UFC. And that's kind of his, um, you know, that, that that's his resume. He's a comedian. He's a bit part actor. You know, I was never really into, I never, I mean, I've seen episodes of Fear Factor, but I, I wasn't like a regular watcher of that. And uh, primarily... You know, I, I knew him as, a, you know, a cage, quote-unquote, cage-fighting commentator, you know. Now, remember, back back in those days, MMA was akin to porn. There was, you really, you know, you had to look for it. You had to go and rent a video, video cassette of fights, you know, be it Pride or UFC fights. Or you had to look at look for it online. You know, then slowly there became like a television deal. And then, of course, now the UFC and other MMA organizations are on regular channels. Like the UFC is on ESPN. You know, Bellator is on Showtime. And, um, you know, it, it's a, it's fastly becoming a mainstream uh, entity, you know. and But it, oh, it wasn't always that. It was looked down upon by a lot of people. It, you know, New York State. It was illegal, you know. Uh, you know, people in New York want to say, oh, yeah, some moral thing. But I know better than that. It was like a money thing. It had nothing to do with, like, you know, these, like, savages are out there beating each, help, beating each other up. You know, it's, it's like some union money payola bullshit, you know, mob boss mentality. Because that's how New York is. is uh, that, that's what makes the world go around in New York, you know, and the immortal words of uh, the Wu-Tang Clan, you know, cash moves everything around me, you know, dollar, dollar bill, y'all. That's New York City, or New York State in this case. So that's his credential. He was a comedian, you know, he's like a, a low-level kind of actor, you know, and a cage-fighting commentator. And then today, <laughs> these days, he's, for some people, a source of news, which is completely out of his lane of expertise. And I remember, um, you know, when the Spotify thing happened, like I, I personally don't, I, I'm, a, I'm an Apple guy, so I, I listen to most of the stuff on, um, on Apple Music or Apple Podcast, and 
you know, that that's my channel of, of choice. I don't really go into Spotify too much. I mean, of course, for this, you know, for everything went black, I do these these playlists or whatever, just because of the it's easy to do that. But, you know, Spotify to me, especially having something exclusive on a channel like that, it's like, OK, you know, you're, you're buying in to the mainstream ideology on some level. You know, and I remember I was in Manhattan in the Times Square area for work one day. And I'm walking down Times Square. And, you know, you know, a lot of you guys out there, if you've never been to New York City, that's like sensory overload being in that part of town. There's billboards. There's like people trying to sell you stuff on the street. There's like, you know, um, you know advertisements and things like that. And I remember seeing this gigantic billboard for the Joe Rogan experience in Times Square for his, for his Spotify show. And I remember looking up and being like, man, it's over for him. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, and, and there was a little bit of, of it being, well, that's my thing. You know, this is like our thing. This is not for everyone else. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I was there in the beginning when it was like Fleshlight was like his first sponsor and he would have like Eddie Bravo on there and and it would just be him and his friends like talking about just really irreverent stuff you know far out things and uh you know then slowly built up and you'd have guests like Graham Hancock would come on there and you'd have you know a lot of more prominent people Boss Rutten from you know he's like a kickboxing and like MMA fighter was on and slowly it became more of a thing. It just blew up. And for who, who knows why? I mean, but my, my, my take on Rogan was that there was, it was always this, um, he always struck me as being very liberal, very, very uh, accepting, very open-minded, uh, not, there was no exclusion. Now, some of the exclusionary things it, maybe if if he had been more discerning about some of the people he invited onto his show, he would find himself in a little bit better place. But you know that kind of wasn't what it was all about. It was just kind of like free form, you know. And that was great. That was fine when it was just a few hundred, few thousand people listening, and no one really cared. It wasn't in the national consciousness. It wasn't in the mainstream consciousness of society. It was this fringe, underground thing, you know. Along comes Spotify, and suddenly it's front and center. Now, coincidentally, this whole Spotify thing comes in the you know the height of the COVID nineteen pandemic. Uh, you know the Donald Trump era, the era of uh, you know the Make America Great, you know MAGA, you know uh, maniacs out there, you know storming the Capitol. Um, in the his deal with Spotify came in the midst of this war for reality. And, you know, we can talk about the social media aspects and the framing of information, the disinformation. All this stuff came to a head right around the same, the same time. And then you get this guy who none of this stuff is not in his area of expertise. And to a fault, he wants to provide a free-form for everyone to discuss their views, you know, and have open discussion. Now, that would be great. You know, that, that that's, a, that's a very, very great 
lofty idea. Um, you know, free speech is a cornerstone of democracy, you know, and, and, and a free society, you know, is, is reliant on your ability to express yourself. And um, I just wish the, uh, the left would remember that. The left used to be about free speech, um, you know. I mean, the limiting of speech is an authoritarian move, you know. And, of course, the right has always been thought of as the authoritarians, which they are. You know, I mean, the right wing, I mean, let's face it, man. They try to, <laughs> yeah, they try to overthrow the government. They try to pull a strongman tactic, you know. And I'm not saying everyone that's a Republican felt feels this way, but, you know, you can read the news and see what people think. You know, they, they buy in to the whole Trumpist idea that the election was stolen, that, you know, we want our guys, so we're going to go down there and, and raise hell. And, and overturn, overturn the government, the um, the election, and in effect staging a coup, you know. So that's that's a whole other discussion, man. Where where you land on that, you know? I land on the idea that they should have executed all those guys, honestly, um, you know. But that's just me, you know. I think that that's a treasonous thing to do, you know. And and it's scary to me, at least, you know. Um, yeah, man. Uh, so back to Rogan. Now, popularity, you know, he's got millions of followers. You know, people are looking to him as this beacon of free speech and free thought and this and that, you know, and now free speech, like with the left clamping down on people telling me oh well you know you're a nazi because like this is your viewpoint you know you're you're an anti-vaxxer now i'm not i'm look i'm not agreeing with anything rogan says about the vaccine or COVID 19 or any of that stuff it's like i'm not i'm not i don't have any any views on it you know because i'm not an epidemiologist i don't even know who to who to look to for the right information like i am out of my lane completely And I acknowledge that I don't know anything about that stuff. So I, you know, I'm staying aware, you know, I'm not making a stand on anything. I think it's always good to be in good shape physically. It's always good to exercise. It's always good to eat right. You know, I I believe that all that stuff helps your immune system. You know, how do I feel about the vaccines? It's a complicated subject. You know, so if any, you know, you'll never see me talk about Oh yeah, I'm pro-vax or anti-vax. So I'll, I'll explain my experiences with it, but I'm not going to go hard in one direction because it seems like every single month we learn more, and that's kind of the nature of science. Is that science, it, especially with new phenomena like this vax, this uh, COVID nineteen pandemic, it's a moving target. It's not there are no hard and fast rules. Like new information comes. There's like new trends, there's new data, all that stuff changes. So from day to day, what you might perceive as being right is wrong at some point. Now, and that is very confusing to, uh, you know, the kind of Philistines out there on the right who just, well, you told me this, but no, the reality is like, you got to just stay aware. And the fact of the matter that anything that had to having to do with the, with the vaccine or the pandemic is politicized is a complete fucking failure you know it's it's a public health issue it's not about whether or not you vote for donald trump or whether or not you're you know 
you voted for Biden or if you're a Republican or a centrist or a populist or whatever, you believe that, the, you know, in QAnon or whatever, that has, should have nothing to do with public health. So we've, we all failed. So anyway, back, well, you know, I'm starting to get off topic here, but um, so this thing with Joe Rogan. I think that Rogan's true crime is hubris. You know, I think that as more and more people supported him and more and more people were like, you know, you're, you're the guy, you're the man, you know, look, you know, you can't go wrong. Here's his millions of dollars. We're going to give you all this money. You know, you got all this power that he just started thinking that he could do whatever he wanted and not have any consequence to that, you know, and his, his out was always like, well, what do you want from me? I'm a, I'm a comedian. You know I mean? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a knucklehead. I'm a cage fighter. Why are you even listening to me? Well, you know, be that as it may, people do listen to you, you know, and you do have a responsibility. When 200 people are listening to you, yeah, you can use that out. But suddenly you're being quoted. People are using your show to like validate certain out, outlandish premises. You know, that's, that's the first place where I think he went wrong, you know, is like, all right, I, my game is being stepped up. I need to tighten up my ship and figure out what the fuck's going on, you know. The second thing is he just did not have a good a, a good curation of his show, you know. I mean, everyone knows he made mad money on this thing, you know, this whole deal with Spotify. Why not hire some fucking people, man? Why not hire a staff of researchers that can help you vet who the quacks are, you know, like give you some intel on who's legit and who's not and who's like a, a total charlatan. And I know that there's been a lot of people out there that are on his show that are just straight up, you know, peddling false facts. You know, and that's on him, man. That's completely on him, you know. I mean, hell, he had John Joseph on there and claims, you know, that the Cro-Mags is his band. You know, we all know that's not true. But, you know, he never thought to ask anyone. He never thought to, like, do a little bit of research to find out about anything. And that's that's where he went wrong, you know. And it's unfortunate. And I hope that with all the millions of dollars he got, you know, that he can hire a couple of researchers, a couple of people to help him curate, a couple of people to help him book his guests in a way where he's not giving a platform to some fucking maniac, you know. And that's uh, the responsibility that I think he needs to start shouldering. You know, now the racism thing. Now, back, you know, in the beginning of time when when he was just him and his few friends, um, you know, he made that Planet of the Apes statement. I remember hearing that live, like not live, but, you know, in real time back then on one of his bits. And I was like, ooh, that's um, <laughs> that's, uh, you know, I, I, w- I would rethink that. I would rethink trying to express that uh, that uh, that that thing, you know. But I have to say, that's the only the only place where I think you can say, okay, that's racist. You know what I mean? Because I mean, yeah, there's that whole uh, you know audio tapestry of him using the N word, but largely that stuff was out of context. Like he's not calling someone the N word or referring to somebody as an N-word, 
he's using it within the context of describing some kind of, uh, you know, situation with a rapper or a lyric or, you know, what someone else said. You know, it's like making a movie about World War II and saying that you're a Nazi sympathizer. You know, that's kind of like, you know, how, how I see that. You know, it's like watching Hogan's Heroes and because they have Nazis in there saying that, you know, those guys are Nazis and they're not. Or the guy playing Colonel Klink is a Nazi because he has a Nazi uniform on. Now, that's totally out of context because we're doing this in the in the entertainment field this is not you know in this case once again context is everything you know you know now do i think that's uh that's a word that you shouldn't you know in a broader sense should not be used i i think that you should be very careful about using that word because it leaves yourself open to that kind of criticism and it's a sensitive issue man and and like you know, I just think that he could have been a little bit more responsible with that. Now, I'm going to use my example. <clears throat> and once again, this is a, I'm using hyperbole to make a point. I'm a fan of Gigi Allen, okay? I've always uh, been interested in that level of outsider, you know, statement and, and that whole, you know, fringe voyeuristic, uh, you know, fascination with this super extreme people like that. Now, to the point where my good friend Ryan Patterson on this uh, earlier episode, he he actually, you know, got kind of critical of me for, for doing an episode about Gigi Allen and, you know, my, my championing of him. And uh, because he uses, you know, words that are not considered to be acceptable in his version of society and all right cool I mean I'll I'll, we opened up a discussion about it and we I guess at the end of the day uh agreed to disagree you know and and that's kind of how we left it you know there was no you know he didn't start a a crusade to have me you know ostracized from you know the, the PC you know world you know he didn't make a big deal out of it now imagine if um, you know Gigi Allen was suddenly had millions of followers and he was like this cultural icon, you know, out of nowhere. He came from left field. One one for years he's out there like playing in front of like twenty people, like smearing you know feces all over himself and taking his clothes off and you know uh, you know singing all these crazy songs about very brutal you know subjects. Uh, you know, shooting heroin, like, you know, traveling across the country on a bus, going to jail, living his life that he was living. And then, but then, like, after, you know, 12, 13, 14 years of, uh, of you know, wilding out like that, suddenly he finds himself with all this, like, popular appeal. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, Gigi, man, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, he's an artist. Like, I, I do think he's an artist, number one. But, yeah, yeah, um, we're going to start embracing him, you know, and then suddenly these regular people out there are wearing Gigi Allen t-shirts and he has a, a deal on Spotify. Um, and I, I actually think you can you can get his material on Spotify. But uh, but anyway, like once again, he no one cares. But no, not, it's not like millions of people are, are listening to him or, you know, he's well, number one, he's dead, but 
he's not uh, an entity, a known entity. No one's going to him for response, you know, the responses to what I should do in the, in the pandemic. But imagine if he was. Now imagine if suddenly he's got the ear of the general population and he's out there doing his thing, you know, which is like pretty far outside, man. Now, is that about, is that your fault or is it his fault? I think it's your fault. I think it's Spotify's fault. I think it's like, all right, we got this guy. Yeah, he's got all these followers, but he walks a very, very, very thin line. You know what I mean? And then, you know, suddenly, oh, by the way, what about all these song titles? Like some, you know, millennial person is out there writing in their blog or they're, you know, a journalist, a quote-unquote journalist or whatever, you know, and they have, like, their, their blue hair and their neck tattoo, but they're just the same as, like, a conservative person from the 80s, really. You know, that's the thing. You know, everyone wants to have the, the trappings of being this, like, far-out, you know, I'm, like, this far-out renegade with my neck tattoo and, like, my blue hair and, you know, all this stuff, but the reality is I'm afraid of everything. That because it makes me uncomfortable, you know, and that's like some like 1980s conservative bullshit, if you ask me. So this hypothetical person's out there. Oh, Gigi Allen. He's like the big Spotify sensation. They gave him millions of dollars. Let me check him out. And they find these all of his songs like Cunt Sunken Cannibal, right? Cock on the Loose. I'm going to I'm going to rape you. These are actual song titles that Gigi has. Oh, this is not going to, this is no good. This is not acceptable. You know, we can't, I can't, can't, this guy has to be taken down. Too many people are listening to him. These ideas are too brutal and too antisocial for people. This has to be stopped. Now that sounds a lot like what the government was trying to do that people, that their left was railing against with, with, you know, people like, Lenny Bruce, you know, who his whole life was ruined because of censorship, you know. I know that sounds like a far-fetched um, analogy, but it really isn't that far-fetched if you really think about it. Yeah, it's funny, it's hyperbolic, it's extreme. Yeah, but, but Rogan, you know, he was a guy doing what he did. And like I said, I don't agree with everything he says. I definitely don't agree with the with the borderline like right wing stuff that he he you know is it talks about you know um i don't agree with having uh you know that uh that dude from vice uh you know mcginnis whatever the fuck his name was the proud boys dude <laughs> should have wrote his name down when i before i said that you know that that's like if i if i had a show i wouldn't have him on as a guest you know if i was like of that stature i would rethink the idea of having this guy on as a guest a you know, guy whose whole thing about Western chauvinism and, you know, like to me it smacks of white supremacy, which is, uh, you know, a bullshit. That's not something I support. You know, so, yeah, you know, it's edgy or whatever. I don't know what his point was, but I, I just think that it was a little mis- misguided to think that something like that wouldn't have, you know, some kind of backlash, you know. But then again, it's his show. You know, he's a far out kind of guy, you know, and it always goes back to this thing that I have about like everybody wants to be an outsider, but like 
nobody really wants to be outside. You know what I mean? And that, yeah, that kind of goes to even like the Phil Anselmo criticisms and all this other stuff. It's like, you know, or Gigi or, or any of these people where it's like, oh yeah, you want to, you want to vicariously live through these people. But when it gets too intense and too real, you're going to embarrass, you're going to like abandon them rather. And you're going to call for them to be condemned and ostracized and, you know, canceled and erased and all these things. You can't have it both ways, man. It's like you're either you're in or you're out. You believe that people can say what they want. You believe that people can express themselves however they want or you don't. You know, and if you don't, I would seriously consider looking into the history of free speech and how it is a fairly novel thing that it's not even something that every country in the world has, you know, and and the privilege of free speech, the right that we have in this country to express ourselves is a right that people have died for and that some places out there, you know, like Russia, <laughs> don't have free speech, you know, and and the fact that we're splitting hairs over these things is a distraction, you know, and, and the real movers and shakers in this world are distracting us from, you know, something bigger that might be going on, and, and I just think that there's a better discussion to have, you know, like people, you know, you should, I mean, hell, the ACLU, like, defended Nazis, to have a march, you know? That's a strong move, man. That means you you believe in what you fucking preach to people. If even something as reprehensible, reprehensible and evil as neo-Nazis, you're going to fight for them to be able to to have their, you know, their gathering of like 50 like dudes with like uh, you know, Thor's hammer necklaces and uh you know, uh the black sun like uh, you know, symbols and stuff like that. You know, I that that's a, that's some gangster shit, man. You know that means you're down. Anyway, language is freedom, man. You know, and conversation is important. And um, even if you don't agree, you know, and that's pretty much all I gotta say about it. Um, you know, you know. Once again, I'm sorry if I bored some of you guys. I um I really just wanted to get all this out. You know, and I know it's a little bit late in the game and I'm sure everyone's sick of hearing about it. And I don't want to keep this thing going. I want everyone to forget and move on and, you know, maybe learn from this whole experience. And, uh, you know, as far as these fools out there who are like, I'm taking my music. Good. Good for you. Like, I'm, you know, that's your freedom, you know, but I don't even look. I don't. Fuck, man. Spotify. Spotify is like for I, I, my stuff's on there for free, basically, because I have I think I've gotten paid like two dollars from them. You know, that it's it's people should be like picketing Spotify for being fucking crooks more than anything, man. You know, it's like that's that's really what people should be up in arms about. Not their Oh, we have to limit content. You know, it's like, no, you need to tell these motherfuckers that they got to like stop exploiting bands. You know, that's really what. You know, you need to start doing, you know, figure out some algorithm that works for everybody, you know. So, see, there you go, man. It's just distraction, you know. Anyway, I hope everyone's doing good. You know, I hope we all stay alive another week. Um, you know, I, I'm looking forward to uh, the future. Hopefully things are interesting 
and not dangerous. And uh, like I said, man, keep your eyes out if you're a fan of tombs. Um, we've got more to even more tour dates being announced and more releases and things like that. So stay tuned. And uh, I hope to see some of you guys out there on the road. And I'll talk to you next week. Take care. Everybody knows that I'm a skunk man. They will come and see me in this time. Everyone's afraid of what might happen to them. Or if they'll even get out of there alive. Some fuckhead in the corner is getting to me. Talking about the way I look and smell I guess he doesn't know That I'm the outlaw scumbag Someone ought to warn him Before I knock him straight to hell Because everybody knows That I'm a scumbag I like slumps and whores and I don't You can say just what you want to say about me But if I hear you, I might just go knock you off your chair Cause I like to drink whiskey by the gallon I live on peanut butter sandwiches, I don't care I spent some nights in jail in this old country Everybody hates me and I just don't fucking care Because everybody knows that I'm a skunk man They won't come and see me in my life Everyone's afraid of what might happen to them Or if they'll even get out of their life